0: you want to follow you are the pastor. I am the pastor. Hey, maybe we should just keep sitting here and just awkwardly kind of waiting.
1: Okay, now we're live.
0: <laughs> well, I am assuming we are live. Um, welcome to our conversation on the synod for synodality. I know that's not the technical name for this synod, but everyone uses it as that. Here, I can read off the technical name because I wrote it down. I wrote my notes. I'm really prepared think, this time. I
1: didn't realize that wasn't the technical No,
0: name. its technical name is For a Synodal Church, Communion, Participation, and Mission. That is like the official on the book's name of what this synod is about. Um, So as you can tell, the Synod for Synodality is a very easy kind of wraparound for the name. But either way, we are going to be discussing really our own thoughts about the synod. We were having a conversation slightly before we went live, kind of just saying, what are we going to do today? Like, how are we going to chat about the synod? And really we're, as we always do, just going to chat. Mm-hmm. And you all are going to be privy to this conversation. Not so much, I don't even think it's going to be terribly like educational, not like our catechism series. No. I think it's just going to be us digging through our own thoughts about this process, what the goal is, and what we at Sacred Heart and the Diocese Charlotte really are supposed to be doing and participating in this thing. And... It's probably going to be a little bit more vague and not terribly concrete, and we probably aren't going to come to a very uh, concrete answer at the end, but you know what? We might, and we're just going to let the Holy Spirit guide the conversation. Which is a good segue to, let's begin with prayer. Of course.
1: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, on this feast day of Our Lady of Fatima, we thank you for your continual guidance as we walk through this valley of tears. As we strive to grow as disciples of yours, as we strive to proclaim the gospel in all that we do, and to share with the whole world, especially as our Blessed Mother asked us at Fatima, as we pray for the conversion of poor sinners and peace throughout the world. We also pray for the Holy Father, as our Blessed Mother asked us at Fatima, that Pope Francis may be given all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit uh, to lead us in his special role as. Uh, the vicar of Christ on earth, as the successor of St. Peter, as the one tasked with first loving Christ and feeding his sheep. We thank you for the gift of our local parish, uh, the church here in Roan County, Sacred Heart. We ask you as we gather as the body of Christ, especially Sunday after Sunday, but every single day, as we continue to gather around you in the great gift of the Eucharist, We may continue to open our hearts to you, to love you with all that we have, and in our day-to-day lives to bring you to others and to bring others to you right here in our parish. And we ask all of these things through the intercession of our Blessed Mother, Our Lady of Fatima, as we pray. Hail Mary. Full Full of grace, the Lord Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, womb,
0: Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother, Mother of God, God pray, pray for, for us sinners, sinners now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen.
1: Most sacred heart of Jesus.
0: Have mercy on Amen. us. Immaculate Heart of Mary. Pray for us.
1: St. Joseph. Pray for us. St. Francisco and St. Jacinta.
0: Pray for us. In the, name of the
1: Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
0: Amen. Amen. Give me two seconds. Let me make sure everything's looking good. Yes, it is. All right. So I thought to start, we could probably answer the easiest question that we'll have today and during our conversation. What is a synod? So how would you describe a synod? What is a synod? What has the church said a synod is supposed to do or accomplish? I mean, we've had more synods than just the synod on synodality. Mm-hmm. We've actually had quite a few in recent memory oh, yeah. with uh, Pope Francis, and I know JP two had quite a few, a little bit before my adult I, reasoning time, but you I'm were a little bit more I'm not
1: mistaken, yeah. And I think, I think Pope Paul VI, after the Second Vatican Council, started calling together a synod of bishops with more frequency, and they typically took on different topics. And the main one that I remember when I was kind of aware of what was going on was Pope Benedict called one on the Word of God, so on sacred scripture, and then put out a document afterwards. And I, I forget, it was it, um, uh, shoot, like it was like, don't, it was in, obviously it was in Latin, but you know, like the Word of the Lord, I think like they, you know, um, Dave, I don't think it was Dave Erbom because that's the document from the Second Vatican Council, but I remember reading that and I'm sorry I didn't do more preparation
0: with, you know. But You didn't know my questions. We're talking very I much off the cuff here. I didn't. That's so good. it was
1: like, you know, these bishops coming together from across the world to discuss certain topics. Um, I know I'm almost positive uh, Pope St. John Paul II did one on the Eucharist at one point. But So you think about those two things on the Eucharist and on Sacred Scripture. I mean, those are... Fundamental, uh, crucial things at the heart of everything in the church, like what we can offer to the whole world. You know, divine revelation, and and really, you know, it's like the the new covenant, the new testament. Scott Hahn likes to point out that the only time the word like new testament gets used in sacred scripture is in reference to the Eucharist, which is a pretty amazing thing when you think about it. But, you know, at the heart of everything here, I mean, the great treasure that we have is God's love letters to humanity, you know, his divine revelation, you know, how we live that out in the sacraments. I mean, it's the shining light in the world and the darkness that's in the world has not comprehended it, has not overcome it. And so I appreciate those synods. And, you know, a while back, like right after I think Pope Francis was elected, maybe this was 2015, there was the Synod on the Family and out of that came Amoris Laetitiae. I think there, there are some beautiful passages within it, but I think the footnote, is 351, I think, the one about um, annulments and reception of community.
0: Like I mean, that. We all know about the footnote. I don't yeah. remember the number, unfortunately. And,
1: it's, and that kind of overshadowed the whole thing. And I'm no, like, I don't know. I, I, I'm not an expert on Amoris Just The thing that's been kind of sad about some of the synods recently is it's like talking about a lot of things that are sort of like settled doctrine- um, or things that come up. And I think right now, um, what I appreciate in the Catholic Church is like, we, we have these settled, beautiful, good things, which is why I enjoy our conversations on the catechism. It's like, here it is. Now, it gives us like guardrails, boundaries. And it's like, hey, we can do all sorts of things within this. But it's like, hey, don't worry, like we're within this. And so it's like talking about things like, okay, this is the state of things in the world. It's how we have to best understand it, have a discussion. And then Here's a document to help better and better. Um, synod on synodality, uh, about participation mission was the first one. Communion?
0: Uh, communion, participation, participation and mission, mission, yes.
1: So I think the harder thing about that is it feels a lot more nebulous. And this is just me throwing out my own personal thoughts. And as we kind of were invited to enter into this, and we've, you know, we've done what we could do here at Sacred Heart. We offered three different times for people to come together to talk about the different questions that were offered and, and things like that. And uh, and now here we are discussing, uh, I just had a vicariate meeting with all the priests of the Salisbury vicariate to talk about this.
0: I sent in my report. Have you sent in your report? Not yet. That's no, okay. And then we're going to be having a big diocesan meeting June, June the 11th. 11th. I know we will both be in attendance at that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So yeah. So a lot of things you know, on the horizon with that. I
1: just... This just kind of feels to me a lot more nebulous and like kind of almost like talking about what we just sorta of do on a day to day basis. Communion participation and mission, I mean, that's the heart of the parish. I mean, we're called into communion together. We want people to participate. And we talk about the fact that's I think the Matthew Kelly statistic that oh 7% of the people do 93% of the work, or, you know, those sort of... It was 7% things. do
0: 80% of the work, but, yeah. you know, close yeah, enough. Yeah, close enough. You so got it. I, you I got to tried to make it 100.
1: Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, but the trouble, I think, with something like this, and, and and I think on a certain level I appreciate the, okay, we want to try to get everybody's input here, but as uh, someone I like to read very often, listen to Dr. Larry Chapp put it, It's tough to do questionnaires and surveying everybody when you don't have, like, professionals who know how to tabulate all this stuff. And, I mean, it's Michael and I here at Sacred Heart saying, okay, everybody, just sort of tell us what you think. And, I don't know, that's a a big sort of difficult task on a universal level to do something like that. And how do you put that information together and, and all that? And it's just, right now we're at a time in the church where... It seems like some voices were kind of like going after it, but then other voices are told, sorry, your opinion doesn't really count. And all at the same time, it's like, we need to be a listening church for listening. And, but you can't do this anymore. You know, uh, When it comes like really strong, when it has to do with certain forms of the liturgy. Uh, it's just hard to have all of those at the same time. And I'll just say, as a pastor of a parish, I mean, Michael and I were just talking, I mean, it's it's a busy place we got a lot going on and it's not busy because we're doing extraneous things i mean we're we have a lot of sacraments going on we have a wonderful school we're just wrapping up our faith formation here we have beautiful liturgies for the triduum throughout lent uh many different times where meeting with people for you know, like counseling or just input and things like that and you know, I'm the one priest here um, to offer that, but you know I have a wonderful staff who does this, and I think the hardest thing with this and like taking the time to kind of go through all this is I just sort of feel like it's like, hey, let's discuss what we do, and but like to what end I think is the harder part to sort of grasp.
0: Actually, if you don't mind, can we pause there for a Please. second because that was so what? So we also. You know, we're talking about, you know, what kind of message we want to convey in this message, right? And obviously we're talking about the Synod and trying to reveal our own thoughts. Mm -hmm. But let's try to pick Pope Francis's brain for a second. It's a hard thing to do at times. Mm -hmm. Um, But obviously he has put a lot of time and a lot of effort on, well, the church for the Pope's mission on this Synod. has put a lot of time and effort into this. So let's theorize, take a little hypothetical question. What do you think the whole point is of this conversation? Like, if you had to get into the Pope Francis' brain, and he obviously said, well, let's do a synod on, for a synodal church, right? A synodal church, I think that's kind of what we're going for, and that's where the synod of synodality comes from. Mm-hmm. What's the ultimate goal? Like, if Pope Francis said, this is the ideal, and this is what I'm hoping for that'll come out of this, what do you think that would be? Okay. Hypothetical question, because we, we, he's not here to call him into the room. No, so let's, he's not. Let's try.
1: Okay, and I'm just gonna be thinking out loud. Like, please do, because it's part.
0: it's a weird question and it's a weird synod. So let's, but like, there there's got to be an end. Yeah, I I hope there's an end.
1: Oh, okay. So here's my initial thoughts. When you think about a synod, you know, what has it been traditionally? A gathering of bishops from all over the world to discuss
0: some particular topic, right? And usually that's a. A new challenge that, yeah. that we're facing, right? Like sitting the, the on the family. the family. Oh my gosh. Fantastic.
1: Who's more under
0: attack right now
1: than the family, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's where it feels like a missed opportunity. And that's, that's not a Pope Francis bash. It feels like a missed opportunity because it's like, man, I wish there would have been something like, hey, families, we're here to support you. Like, get your family rooted back into the Eucharist. Like, hey, parishes, here's a great idea for this to work for family catechesis. Like, try this. Like, get the parents and, and, you know, empower them to teach the faith because the faith is what's going to save us from the craziness in the world. Because I don't think we have to go into much detail in proving that it's crazy out there. With the synodal church, so it's, okay, people coming together to talk, but at the same time, I mean, we do have a hierarchy, and you know me. Like, I'm not Mr., like, I'm the pastor, do what I say. Like, I know that doesn't work, especially in this day and age. And when I say it doesn't work, I mean, okay, I can go out there and say, I'm the pastor, do what I say. But i got to earn your respect. I mean, I've got to earn the trust of the people of God. And I can tell you do what I say all I want, but if I haven't earned your respect, I mean, in this day and age there's not a lot of, like, social pressure for you to stay here. You can go somewhere else, you know? like, whatever. I mean, it's like, we got to be in this together. Now, obviously, the buck stops with me as the pastor, and I heard a phrase, Michael and I were talking about this before the show, um, that, you know, the church is a hierarchical communion. And I think it's a beautiful way of putting it. I heard it from Father Harrison Ayers from clerical, Clerically Speaking. I'm almost positive I did. But, you know, this is a... <laughs> You know, a hierarchical communion. Like, Jesus knows what we need. He gave us the structure of the hierarchy. I mean, he gave us St. Peter. He gave us the apostles. But that doesn't mean that Peter is some sort of a king that cannot be questioned ever. I mean, it's like right there in sacred scripture, Paul's questioning him. You know, I mean, it's like Jesus is telling him, like, be humbled. You know, like, he, he humbles him a lot. Um, and he is a, as, as you know, it says, uh, one of his titles, servant of the servants of God. Um. And so it's like it's it's a role of service, but still like that leadership role is important. And I think maybe one of the difficulties for me in this and trying to get to the end the end of it, um, like to say a synodal church is almost like okay, the church is a democracy now. It's not. And as we can see in just the craziness in our country right now, I mean, just because you got a democracy doesn't mean everything's just going to be great. You know, it's like people have to be virtuous. Who's going to lead them to virtue? And sometimes it's hard to be called the virtue. You know, it's like, I, I just want to, I mean, it's Friday. You know, I just want to eat meat like I always do. Like, no, like, rise above it. Make a sacrifice. Well, who are you to tell me? It's like, you know, like, we need that help. We need that hierarchical help there. I think the to what end question, though, and I'm sorry to, like, tangent that.
0: but That's what most of the, it feels like a lot of the synod is a tangent. Yeah. So this is very on par. It is.
1: <laughs> but I think the ultimate goal, okay, is, like, to make sure that people don't feel disaffected, disaffiliated, right? But my only fear with the way it's being done is it's almost like, well, let's question all the structures. That's scary because in this crazy world that it feels like the foundations are slipping away from us. I mean, just look at the wider culture, Right. The family is under attack. The very nature of gender is under attack. You know, it's we hear, especially we heard a lot during COVID. Follow the science, but when it comes to the life of the unborn, when it comes to you know gender being a part of like everything with us, not just below the belt, like all these different things, and even the gift of our sexuality, all these things are being questioned, and it's it's hard because it feels like the base is being taken out from under us. So I don't think it helps to reach the marginalized by suddenly making it seem like, well, structures are kind of up for grabs. No, like, here's the structure. Now, we need to make sure that, yes, everybody knows, hey, we're here for you. Yes, the church has definitive teachings, but they're there because you are loved. And like the gift of the family is a gift of love from God. And so what can we do to support that? What can we do to support church teaching on sexuality? Because someone who is immersed in our sexual revolution lifestyle, who, you know, fornication, you know, just, you don't have to be faithful to your spouse, sleep with whomever or whatever you want, that's not going to lead to happiness. And so, and I'll just say it, I mean, one of the things that's been so hard for me with the, the Synod on Synodality is some of the people that the Holy Father has entrusted to lead the thing have openly questioned church teaching especially directly against the uh, going against the catechism well, what am i supposed to do as a pastor on the front lines who's trying to help someone who is struggling with you know how they live out their sexuality and it's like all of a sudden it looks like something's being called into question for the sake of making this person feel welcome but if all of a sudden, it's like, well, the gift that I have for you is the gift of Jesus Christ and the moral life of, you know, to lead a moral life, to lead it to the fullest. Is it easy? No, but I'm going to walk with you to help you to do this. And I think in the interest of trying to reach people and seem accessible, I'm afraid that it's almost like we're, we're questioning the things that are there to help that person at the end of the day. So I think the end of trying to make sure, hey, everybody knows all are welcome, and they are. But Jesus loves us so much to not just leave us at the point of where we show up. There are definitive things that the church teaches for our own sake, for our own happiness. So I I hope, it seems to me, that the end is to, yeah, as he says, reach the marginalized. I'm a little bit concerned with the way that it's happening, because even though I don't personally celebrate the Latin Mass, Traditionis custodes was not well timed when it comes to we're gonna listen but what you've been doing is is not right and just like the way it just boom I mean because it came out on a Friday and just said it's all done I you mean know, what if somebody had a wedding on Saturday in the extraordinary forms like wh- what about that like are you listening to their needs are you listening to this and it's like we gotta you know it's like reaching everybody and I think just the to what end part right now I just I I hope we do get to the point where it's like clear that, hey, we are here for everybody. We have a treasure for you. Come and experience it.
0: And I think that's what I've seen a lot in Pope Francis's papacy in general, right? Mm -hmm. I always have a little bit of sympathy to the end, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can usually see where Pope Francis is trying to go and trying to get to, right? Yes. I can see that, yeah, in some ways having you know, the marginalized and the people who are in need, who feel left out of the church, to help them have a voice and help them know that they are there and listened to in this synodality Mm -hmm. style. Yeah, I can see an importance in that. The thing that I always struggle with is the execution, Yeah. right? The execution always feels so forced and so done very brashly and quickly, And this is just a very small anecdote about execution. But I recently got my graduated with my MBA, so I look at I'm trying to work on looking at the world in this business perspective. And there were congratulations
1: to Michael. I mean, if you can applaud for him at
0: home, just go ahead. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Master's
1: in business administration. It's no small task. Good job.
0: Exactly. And I'm trying to use that for the betterment of the church. Yeah. And sometimes I wish there was a couple MBAs in the Vatican that could help the Pope out on a couple of these things. But there was a marketing thing that I noticed. So, pretty early on when they released all the documents for, for the Synod, right? Mm-hmm. As in everything, there's a lot of marketing material that comes out with that. Yeah. And they have this kind of multicolored, rainbow-ish feel logo where you've got a whole bunch of silhouettes of people in different stages of life. And I'm like, okay, I can kind of, I can maybe get behind this. feels a little bit unprofessional for something coming out of the Vatican for the entire world. But okay, fine. We can do what we can do. However, the type font, and I know this is kind of weird, but I despise the type font. And, you know, and I know Deacon Bulky has very passionate opinions about type font. If you ever want to get him going, out talk to him about Comic Sans. He loves having conversations about Comic Sans. Um, Pro or
1: con? I don't know. Totally con.
0: Okay. Com- Comic Sans is a very kind of animated feel okay. to uh, type font, and he always likes when people use Comic Sans to send emails, and he's like, we're right off the bat. I just discredit every single thing they said because of the type font they chose. So, me being the nerd that I am, I used a font-recognizing machine on Google, basically. Mm -hmm. Cut out the font from the logo and just sent him the font. So, I gave Deacon Bulky no context of where this font came from. And I said, hey, what is your opinion on this font? And you know what he responded? He responded, second grade was a good year. And I said, oh, that's exactly how I felt. And then I sent him the actual logo for the Synod on Synodality and said, oh, look at where I got this type font. That's very small. Mm -hmm. But when you're talking about anything at all, you got to know your audience and you got to know how to market to that audience. And when a deacon of the church comes back and says with no context, but just based off the type font, second grade was a good year maybe you kind of struck out. You kind of missed the boat of what you were trying to convey in your marketing platform. And I think that was just a very small piece to show big concept is there, execution is struggling. Yeah.
1: And I, no, that's a really good insight. And I think part of the difficulty I have too is it's like, you know, we have such a rich treasure to give to people. I mean, As I like to point out, sometimes Michael was just talking about some of like the health insurance stuff we got to deal with this time of year. I get to be like a perpetual adolescent as a priest in that regard. It's just taken care of for me, right? Like I'm here. The parish, you know, covers my um, oh, what's the what's that called? Um, Benefits. Your benefits. You know, like I don't I don't have to re enroll. Like I'm a priest. It's taken care of. It's great. And like my house, like I get the rectory, and I get to go live in it, and it's fine. You know, it's it's a wonderful thing. Like I don't have to you go to your. You don't have
0: bad. to go to your boss and ask for a raise no. every once in a while. No, it's just standard.
1: No, it's great. Yeah, and actually, yes, this I've, year I've this actually year, done
0: that a couple of times, and it's not a fun conversation. No, but he's a great boss.
1: I'm trying, but yeah, this year didn't happen though. And That's all good. I mean, I think Pope Francis would be proud. I, I, we got, I wasn't we, asking this. We too. got a salary freeze, and it's wonderful. <laughs> so, and and it's great. But all I'm saying is, like, okay, so there's like that part of it. It's like I'm well taken care of, but. I've said before it's like in some ways we get to remain perpetual adolescence but in some ways we got to grow up like that because what are we dealing with all the time in the church life and death you know it's like people don't just come to us you know to get together and talk about what we're kind of doing like we're here at the most difficult of moments we're here when people die and when they're in the hospital and when they're looking at the big-term questions of life. And I would just say, it's like, I feel like the truth of the gospel is being short-sold when what is being portrayed is what you're talking about. It's like, second grade was a good year. Well, it's like, is that all we have to offer? Like, I could go to the Rotary Club downtown and just talk to the guys and, you know, find out what they're thinking. Guys, what's going on in your, in your day-to-day? What do you wish was happening in the world? Okay, have a good life. But that's not what we're here to offer. And Jesus didn't say, you know, to the apostles behind the locked doors, you know, like, what are you guys thinking after the resurrection? It was, do not be afraid. Peace be with you. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven. Whose sins you retain are retained. You know, it's like... It's like, now, what do you guys think about that? Are you, you going to be cool with that? No, like, there is the gospel message. He gave us the Great Commission to go out to all the world and proclaim the good news. And I just feel like this is kind of a sidetrack. Now, all of us priests should be striving to reach, you know, everybody in our parish. Like, I am the pastor of Rowan County. it's a mighty task. I can't do it by myself. I've got wonderful staff telling me. I've got wonderful parishioners to help me. I don't have to be the one to go to each person in Rowan County, but between all of us in the parish, we should be striving to reach everybody. We're not there yet, but we should be trying to do that. And I guess one of the other things, and just kind of like talking about the difficulty of sort of like what feels like the inconsistencies, is like Pope Francis said from the beginning, like we shouldn't be a self-referential church. But it almost feels like what this whole thing is, is like, hey, let's spend the next three years being self-referential. And it's like, I just... And I know we hear all the time from priests, we're busy. And it's true, we are. But I love the busyness. I love what I'm getting to do. I always like to, I used to say this, be like, oh, you're so busy. I was like, I'm active, right? I like what I'm doing. Busy almost feels like, oh, I'm buried under paperwork and I don't see meaning and all this. Not that. Like, I've heard a bunch of confessions today. I got to offer, yes, and I'm going to throw it out there
0: because I'm talking about
1: I offered my 6,000th Mass today.
0: Oh, I expected you to do it. I'm surprised it took you this long to mention it. (laughs) And
1: and just in the goodness of our Heavenly Father, it fell on one of my favorite feast days, Our Lady of Fatima. The Gospel was John 14, 1-6. You know, do not let your hearts be troubled. And he ends with, I am the way and the truth and the life. And I feel like with all of this, we're getting so focused on ourselves that we're not focused on the way, the truth, and the life. You know, we do have the way, Jesus Christ, who shows us the way to live our life. He gave us the moral teaching. Read the Sermon on the Mount. Read what he has to say about lust in your heart. It lasts. It's there. It's from the lips of our Lord. Follow the way, the truth. You know, there's a lot of, like, political motivation, power struggle out there. you got the Pontius Pilate's of the world. What is truth? The truth is Jesus Christ. You know, and so, to like, our lives should be all about him, not just, you know, well, do you feel included in the decision-making process? I mean, the decision-making has already been done, you know? I mean, it's like, I, he, He's given us the Church, He's given us all of this, and we haven't yet broken open the great call of the Second Vatican Council to have the universal call to holiness. I mean, I just, it feels like some of this is reshifting the deck chairs, when we haven't yet gotten out to the rooftops to proclaim the truth, and then the life, you know, I mean, <laughs> as I said before, I mean, we're dealing with life and death every single day. Like when when someone loses a loved one, and they come in, it's like, I don't know, they're not typically asking, like, you know, Father, I didn't feel included in your decision on the calendar for the. They're saying like, what's going to happen to my loved one? Like, what can we do? To aid them on their way to heaven. Like they, they want me to be there at the bedside of their dying loved one. You know, I want to hand on the faith to our children so they have this rock solid, you know, knowledge and certainty of the fact that Jesus is risen from the dead. And even though we're still going to encounter so many difficulties, they know, as our kids know in the school. Just watch a school mass when I say one, two, three, and they scream, do not be afraid. Well, People don't get to the point of being able to not be afraid by having yet another meeting to talk about what our feelings are on this. And I'm not saying feelings are bad. And you should share what your feelings are. and You should you know, work through it. But it has a place, but especially within the, you know, the friendly confines of the Catholic Church, of the rock-solid foundation of what we've been handed down by Christ. And in a way, it's like, well, thank God it's not just a democracy. It's not what we're feeling as a people right now. Like, what we have is the truth of Jesus Christ. And so, I will say this. I mean, my favorite part so far about the Synod on Synodality was meeting as a vicariate of priests. So, as priests together from St. Francis in Moxville, uh, St. Therese in Mooresville, St. James in Concord, St. Joseph in Kannapolis. I wish Father Kessler could have been here, but he couldn't make it. From St. Phillips in Statesville, and then me. Like, all of us together talking about our priesthood, and especially we talked about the challenges of COVID. And we all kind of agreed. It's like, what were people striving for, looking for during COVID? They wanted the sacraments. They wanted the, ble- they wanted the blessed sacrament. They wanted the Eucharist. They wanted their sins forgiven in confession. They wanted comfort from anointing of the sick when they were sick. And we strove to find ways to give that to them. Father Kowalski told a beautiful story of one point kind of early on in COVID, and they have security cameras like we do. And I guess theirs has, like, an alert if there's movement, like, around the church at night. And he said, 2 o'clock in the morning, it's this, like, alarm. There's movement outside the church. It's like, what's going on? And he looks. And there's, like, a group of, I think he said around 10 people just kneeling down in front of the doors of the church. Like, they just wanted to be with Christ. And he's like, you oh know, my God, that's so beautiful. And I guess what they did, this was just as they were about to be moving their tabernacle to the center, And they open up the inner doors, the outer doors are glass, and they have a spotlight on the tabernacle. So if someone wants to come up in the middle of the night and kneel down, they can see see the tabernacle. They know our Lord is there. It's like, that is incredible. Like, that's the sort of thing that we are here to offer, you know, from the church. Like, what we need to give is the truth. And the truth is this rock-solid foundation. There he is in the Blessed Sacrament. Um... Is it easy to live out every moral teaching of the church? No. But as high of a calling as it is to follow Christ, to strive to become a saint, to live out the universal call to holiness, Jesus gives us everything that we need. And I almost, like, I wish they would have called it, like, the synod on making the sacraments more available, or something, you know, something like that. Because at the end of the day, like, I love us getting to talk. Like, I love having conversations. But I do feel like what we're what the synod has kind of become, and I, I'm I'm happy to receive like um, you know a response to this, but it just feels like it's exactly the self-referential church that Pope Francis warned about in the very beginning of his papacy.
0: And so I think I mean first of all, beautiful story, and that great Father Kowalski, I was
1: so impressed with Father Kowalski on that that was beautiful.
0: And I think the conversations that I had as well. So I had. Three uh, go-to meeting meetings online, right? Mm-hmm. So we did it all digital because it was way easier for me to have things digital with my family. Um, and so I had—I actually did two meetings, and I convinced my wife to do the third because I didn't want them to have to hear me talk the whole time. And the rubric, the the guidelines that the diocese gave to us just said somebody should have these conversations. It doesn't have to be a staff member like me mm-hmm. doing the conversation. Probably most parishes didn't have a staff member doing it. So, I was able to have Kara do the third. Which, by the way, publicly, thank you for digging those up. I yeah. really appreciate it. No problem at all. And the first conversation I had, we really kind of stuck to the script, right? Mm-hmm. So, they gave us this script um, of the questions we're supposed to ask, and you're supposed to split up into uh, small groups, and the small groups have a conversation so then they can share, and then you compile the information to the right group. I didn't have enough people in my conversations to do those small groups, which is totally fine. So the first time I really stuck to the script, it wasn't bad, I we, got, we gave answers and we shared thoughts based off the script and the questions. And let me share the questions that yeah, we please. talked about as well. So in that first meeting, the question that the diocese gave to us to talk about, what are the most significant signs of the Lord's presence in your life? Beautiful conversation, mm-hmm. talking a lot about, actually you came up in conversation quite a bit. Um, Eucharist, scripture, you know, The pretty, pretty typical things that are the answers to that question, where we're seeing the Lord's presence in our life in the gifts that he gave us, right? Second conversation, I didn't stick to the script at all. I'm just like, I don't want to stick to the script. I want to come up with, you know, something a little bit more meaningful and in-depth here for this conversation. And the question for this one was, what are the biggest challenges or questions you face in responding to the Lord's call? And so I tried to lead the group, the small group that was online, through a little bit of lexio Divina with this question. And I actually uh, focused on, as we did with the parish mission quite a bit, the story of the rich young man, right? Because that whole story is about what are the challenges that this rich young man is facing in order to allow the Lord into his life, specifically for him, his riches, right? And so we were able to just have a dialogue about scripture and a dialogue that, you know, went around this question. And we had a great conversation, and it was very enjoyable to have that conversation. And then I didn't do the third one because my wife did it, but the third question for the third conversation was, what steps is the Holy Spirit suggesting to you and your community to respond more fully to the Christian vocation? Now, listening through the door and seeing the notes that she gave me, again, a great conversation to have. And again, these questions, I think, kind of do get to the heart of the problem here. And if you can have a true and honest and transparent conversation, I think there is something to be learned here. Something that we as pastor and director of operations of a parish can really learn from our parish because we know we're not doing it 100% correct and we're missing things and we don't get to hear everyone's voice all the time. Mm -hmm. And we love hearing people's opinions because that means you care. that you want this place to be better in an honest and somewhat objective way of sharing thoughts and ideas. Now, whenever you share a thought and idea with us, be ready to volunteer to make it happen because that's going to be my first question for you. So are you volunteering to do this? Because that's just how it works. need some more. We need to get that 7% a little bit higher to do some of these things. So I think, again, the concept and idea of the big picture of these are good questions to get to the heart of it was great. The actual execution of how to actually do this is tough. It's hard to get people out in large numbers and in big groups to have small group meetings and then share ideas. It doesn't really work for the modern world. And even doing it online, unfortunately, I only had about two or three people at each one of my conversations. And so was there a better way to actually execute this and i don't know I don't unfortunately know. And,
1: and i would say too like is this even a task that's possible from rome down you know like i think when we look, Fair at, question. The, when we look at the at the concepts of concept of subsidiarity like I'll put it this way i think for our parish to say, like hey we're going to strive for more small groups like people hey let's get together folks everybody here's three questions get together with some of your friends discuss them And just remember, my door is open, Michael's door is open, like, we're we're around, we're here, we're ready to talk. It's open over in the school, too. Talk to Aaron Brinkley, talk to Camille Denhardt, I mean, talk to all these different people we have around us. We're ready, ready to listen and all this, but it's like, to imagine, from Rome, to call on the input of everybody, I mean, there's a reason why it's like we have the hierarchy. Um, And... It's just it's such a yeah like a behemoth task, and it feels like it's a I don't know it, when we get to do it on the individual level. Like you said, your conversations, the conversations I got to have with the priests the other day. I think I had the microphone. But Sorry, up, but the conversations I got to have with the priests, the other day, they were great, and it was interesting too because like so there were multi generations, uh, multiple generations represented in that room, uh, multiple cultures represented in that room. Uh, a few guys from religious order, the Redemptress. Um, and then, you know, guys from different countries. It was just, it was good, but, you know, it's like we were all unified in a lot of our same concerns. Like, the what are the challenges you're facing right now? Um, you know, I, I think I'm the, the youngest one in the room, uh, like lowest ordained. Like, I'm coming up on 12 years, but I think most of the guys have, like, almost all of them, I think, were ordained when it was still Pope John Paul II. Was and you were in charge probably.
0: of the conversation, which is interesting, too. I know,
1: but it is what it is. But, uh. And it was interesting to hear when they talked about their challenges, and I feel it too. It's like with John Paul II, every Holy Thursday, there was a letter to priests. It was like, you know, like some beautiful thing about the priesthood. And like, Come on, like we can do this, we're in this together. Pope Benedict XVI had a year for priests. Like he just, you know, tried to kind of get some things out there. Sorry, but every time Pope Francis talks about priests, it's usually about how bad we are, what we've been doing wrong, that we're rigid, that we're... T- it's just... Now, granted, I know we get things from him filtered through the media. Totally get it. I mean, some of them are through his own media, so it's kind of an unforced error if that's not what he wants us to feel. But, you know, we definitely don't feel like supported from the top. You know, it's like I, my prayer life sustains everything. Now, granted, you know, you don't want to just live off of, uh, you know, John Paul II's superstar, and he is. I mean, he's incredible. I love John Paul II, and I love Benedict XVI too. And I love Francis in his own way. He is my Holy Father. He is our Holy Father. But I will say, the affection is different because it doesn't feel like, you know, the relationship of trying to work it out. So it's just interesting with a room full of priests, you get the, yeah, we never get a, attaboy, keep going. You know, it's just like, y'all are terrible. You're not doing this right. Like, why are you never there for your people? It's like, well, you're not here, Holy Father. And I don't expect you to be. You're in Rome. It's fine, but... I wish when you spoke in general ways, it wasn't always about how terrible we priests are. It's like, you know, there are some of us who are really trying and doing our very best. And, you know, I want to give people Christ, not just myself, you know. And like, I, no, we're not all clericalists, you know. It's like, yeah, I mean, I love and respect the priesthood. Some of the people who have influenced my life the most are priests, and I love them and look up to them. And I strive to live up to the, the title Father every day. And the way I do that is by asking our Lord to help me to love Him and to give me the grace that I need to live up to the title of Father. I think the challenge can be it's like we live in an era where the wider culture looks at us with suspicion more and more. And right now, it feels like the the institutional church looks at us with suspicion more and more. And we're just kind of here. But I will say, I mean, it was like it was nice talking with the guys, you know, who are biggest supporters. I mean, besides our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in our prayer, the people of God. Like, our parishes keep us going. I mean, like, we're in this together. And, you know, this morning, like, just, you know, talking about just a little bit of the homily, like, uh, you know, it's my 6,000th Mass. People are so good and so kind. And um, one of the the, uh, young women who just made her confirmation made a 6,000 sign and posted it out here on my door. It's awesome, you know? It's like these little things that keep us going, but, you know, that isn't coming from the top. And, you know, I feel like like Holy Father, you know, reinvigorate and empower your troops, your guys who are on the front line, to go out there and do what you want them to do. It's like, you know, don't. The hard part is, it's like we feel lectured on, um, you know, it's a self-referential church. But here's the whole process of being self-referential, and you're too rigid. Like, it's like, no, just like tell me what you want me to be. Like, okay, get the smell of the sheep, and then stop appointing bishops who are never in their own diocese, and like. Live, at least it seems to me from the reports we get, it's like a lot of the people the Holy Father appoints aren't doing what the Holy Father says that he wants done. And then we're on the ground trying to, like, you know, proclaim the gospel. And it just, so we live in this kind of interesting space right now. And I just, I bring up most of that was my own reflection, but just some of it from the conversations with the priests. And I just found it interesting. We were multi generational, you know, a lot of different things in that room. But everybody kind of had the same comment that it's like we don't really feel support from the universal church like we used to, from the inter- institutional church like we used to. Um, but the people of God are so good. They love us. They're so good to us. And we love them, too. And I, one of the priests said, it's like, I just want, you know, it's like I want the church to know, it's like, yeah, we do love and respect people. And, you know, and they come to us. And you know, it it's just like, hey, I think a lot of like what to what end is already being met. And so... I think the hardest thing about this, like, hey, it would it would be better to just like, hey, guys, make sure your prayer life is good. Hey, church, keep folks on the universal call to holiness. Let's get out there and live that mission. You know, it's like that, that could do it without a whole lot of extra things. Now, the one good thing, Michael was saying, it's like having conversations is important. And I would say a good thing for us, you know, we're, we're about to welcome on our new director of evangelization. And I hope, we get a lot of people in our parish invested and involved and paying attention to everybody who comes through our doors and helping one another to grow closer to Christ and to help all of us, me too, you know, with these issues of life and death because I have to deal with them too. The difficulties in my own family and my own issues that are happening and you know that support that I personally get from my parishioners, it's a treasure and uh, I'm grateful that we get to, to do that together.
0: And I know you kind of proposed a I wish the Synod maybe was focused more on this. And now I'm forgetting what it was. But I know you proposed it. You can rewind and figure it out. But as we were talking in the conversation, I feel like you are correct that we're trying to take all this information at the bottom, pass it way up back to the top so that the top can do something way down at the bottom. Right. We're doing this back and forth motion. I mean, what if they just would have said, this is a synod on the reinvigoration of the parish. Hey, we at the top want to help you on the ground to make your parishes amazing. Mm -hmm. And we want to listen how we can better do that instead of, hey, we want to hear all of you so we can figure out how to make you all heard more. It's like, well, I mean, that's why we kind of joke about the synod on synodality. So it's a conversation of bishops trying to learn how to have better conversations yeah. with people. I mean, it's just this cyclical kind of oxymoron. And yeah, why don't we just use the structure that's already there? The top supports the bottom. Yeah. Because again, going back to business, that's how businesses work. I mean, CEOs and executives, why are they there? In order to help the business run well, which is all the people that work in the company. And there's, you know, hierarchies for a reason, and there's structures for a reason. And this is how businesses become the amazing businesses that they are. And this is how our parish little business that we have here works. And I know it's kind of weird saying that a parish is a business, but we are. We're a nonprofit. Yeah. And we need to run like one. And so With best practices. Exactly. Accountability and transparency. Pastor, director of operations, other employees. I mean, we've got a hierarchy and we've got a structure and we have an expectation of how things are done. And we check in with staff and we check in with our parishioners and we try to listen and have conversations. And isn't that what a good corporation does? Isn't that how Amazon became the behemoth that they are? I mean, they started someplace and they got where they are. Because they gave good customer service. There's nothing wrong with that. No. And,
1: and, yeah, to have that good customer service and to recognize at the heart of all, we have a treasure. And let's focus on the treasure. And the treasure is the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ. And, yeah, no, I think that's, it's a really good, good point there. And I think just that you know, the Catholic principle of subsidiarity is mm. just so absolutely important.
0: Can you define that for us? Because not so, many people might you so, know what subsidiarity is. principle basically it's
1: dealing at things at the lowest possible level, and like lowest, like closest to the ground. So let's just say, I don't know, a door handle over on the church is broken, right? We want to deal with that right here at the parish. Like I say, I call up Miguel uh, Villalobos, one of our main instruments. Saying, Miguel, this is broken. Can you fix it? Oh, yeah, I'll get to it right away. And he gets there and he fixes it. Like, okay, we dealt with it right here. And the proper structure of that, like, I didn't say, oh my gosh, the door, the doorknob's broken. I'm going to call the vicar general at the diocese, Father Winslow, and say, Father, our doorknob's broken. Can you figure out a way, like, can you call Anthony Orlando, the prop, the properties manager for the diocese, and have him figure out a team to, like, come out here and figure? No, like, the higher up you go, the more steps you go to, like, try to get things figured out down below. Like, I'm not going to include in my synod report you know, one of our doorknobs to the church is broken. Um, so, Holy Father, could you, like, why does this keep happening? Like, why do our doorknobs keep... Like, no, like, you deal with it here. Like, you don't have to deal with it all the way in Rome to deal with the doorknob at the Parish of Sacred Heart. By the way, I don't know where that example came from, but I think it's valid. I mean, I mean it's it, like, yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. totally valid yeah. example. And so, so you want to deal with things at the closest possible level. Um, and it's like the more you get removed from that... The harder it is to deal with something, to address something, to meet somebody personally, you know, like you're going to know them less. But things that are an issue here at Sacred Heart, um, you know, like we know the area, the the place, and like as a community, like dealing with something, you know, like uh, if you have a problem at home with your kids, you know. It, it, you should be able to, like, take care of that with your kids. It's, it's pretty tough when you got to go up to the next level. you got to call the police, right? Or you, know, you go to Congress to set a law that this no longer happens. Well, you want know, Congress coming in to deal with, like, you know, when the kids clean the toilet? Like, no, like, no, you deal with that at home. Like, Congress doesn't need to be taking care of that. And the further up it gets, like, the less they care um, to be perfectly honest they'd be the most caring people in the world but like, that's not what they're there for you have to have the hierarchy because there are some, some things that have to be addressed for the universal church such as handing on the faith like upholding moral tradition like and and remember this too like the Holy Father doesn't get to say I have decided now that Catholic teaching is the sky is red no like that's he doesn't get to make that sort of thing and he doesn't get to say I have decided that Jesus Christ you know really uh, lived in 400 BC and was I don't know and actually from Syria no like he receives an inheritance of the faith and he hands that on like he's supposed to protect what he has been given and to hand it on and he continued to you know to pray to to give the explanation all like yeah he's to defend the faith and we need that like we need that defense we need the person that that's that's entrusted with that but there are things like down on the parish level that just The Vatican doesn't need to take care of. I mean, that's the pastor's job. That's the director of operations job. That's the maintenance man's job. It's like it's not, it doesn't need a whole synod to make that happen.
0: Yeah. So we've got about 10 minutes left. So then the question is, what's the takeaway? Like, where do we go from here? What, as to the faithful, really, you know, we're going to be listening to the synod process going on for another Year and a half? Are we about halfway done? Only a year in? Feels like we've been doing this for a while and I don't think we're really that far through the process. I feel like it's like
1: halfway, I
0: think. So let's just say we've got another year and a half, Mm -hmm. right? Until ultimately things finish in Rome and they release a document stating their findings or their conclusions or whatever. And honestly, I've read the past two synod documents. Haven't been terribly impressed, to be totally honest. Um, But for the next year and a half, And now that we've kind of completed, because this really is the completion of the parish level, so we're supposed to be getting our reports to Dr. Alessandro Ravati, who's in charge of the Synod for the Diocese. We're going to be meeting.
1: And pray for him, too, and God bless him, and thank you for taking that on. And I mean, gosh, when Bishop Jugas calls and asks you to take something like this, I'm sure it's not not an easy thing. No. Um, But he has been a very kind gentleman through this whole thing, and... uh, and I appreciate his communications and his courtesy and, uh, and his willingness to serve the diocese in this way. So I just want to make sure we say yeah, that
0: too. Yeah, 100%. Um, and so we're sending reports to him. We're going to have our meeting in June. But then, you know, we might not hear anything on the local level. So what would you say through this process that we've done thus far? Like, what is your takeaway or the parish's takeaway that, okay, there was the Holy Spirit moved in this area and we're going to try to do better with this because of this conversation
1: my biggest takeaway um okay i think okay i've already known this but i appreciate this more conversations of course are good (laughs) it's nice to get together and talk and i think to really express you know yeah how god has moved in your life and i think sometimes we talk about the uh, sherry waddell book like the cone of silence you can't talk about your faith you should talk about your faith talk about the way god is moving in your life I'll tell you, one of my greatest gifts of the last, like, month and a half, I went out for a beer with my brother, Rob, when I was up in, uh, up for my nephew's commun- first communion, and we talked about the faith, like, and I was just so darn proud of him, and, like, and we, we had some really good conversations, and he's in a small, actually, he's in two small groups right now in his parish with his wife, Krista, and they're both wonderful, and, like, one of them is going through the Symbolon series, and it's lovely. Mm-hmm. One of them is they meet and talk about the upcoming readings for the Sunday oh. Mass, So I sent him the Word of the Lord series, which, I mean, Dr. John Burns was amazing. But to talk to my brother about that was just so good, and I really appreciated that. I would say, you know, like, we don't have to wait for a big top-down church thing to talk to one another. And in fact, I think sometimes, like, those sort of things don't help to actually make that happen. Um, But just, you know, don't be afraid to get together with a group of people. Like, small groups are awesome. I'm glad we have... Uh, director of Evangelization coming, and I hope we kind of facilitate more of those sort of things. Families helping families to hand on the faith. I mean, that's going to be awesome. Um, the, uh, my other biggest takeaway, and I should have known this already, I'm grateful for my brother priests right here in the vicariate. You know, and uh, you know, we joke, everybody's got their opinions on meetings. And I told them the other day, it's like, hey, we, uh, we've all been in different vicariates. We've been in the ones that meet like every month for three or four hours, we've been in some that never meet ever. And I have not done my due diligence lately as the vicar frame. We haven't met hardly at all. I think it's been, it's like pre-COVID. Uh, we did have one, that was a Zoom session, but it was very poorly attended. But it was a great attendance the other day. And just to be together with my brother priests. It was great. It was a beautiful thing. I will say, Father Rossi was a good teacher to me on that. Like, he's so big on getting together with brother priests. And, um, you know, so it just for us to be together, and we, we had a good, open, honest discussion about the whole synodality basically at their parishes same sort of turnouts i mean there wasn't huge amounts of people coming to things it's fine but you know I'm just it's kind of the same everywhere in that but just that we kind of shared a lot of the same struggles as, as brother priests i think sometimes like just knowing that you're having the same struggles but also kind of reaffirming each other and where you go for the answers and that was great i mean one of the priests father charlie from uh St. James and Concord is about to celebrate his fiftieth uh, anniversary as a priest. They're gonna have a big mass for it. It's like fiftieth anniversary of the diocese, Father Charlie's fiftieth, and um, Corpus Christi all on the same day. Nice. It's eleven o'clock, June nineteenth. It's like ah, by Charlie, I'd love to be there, but it's gonna be then Father Ensign Balky's first mass. But, uh, but you know, congrats. Just some of the things that he was sharing that were so good and helpful, and um, yeah, like and I and I told him too. I was like, guys, I pray for you every day, and I really do. Like. One of my big intentions every day are the guys that, you know, I serve, represent here in the vicariate. So just to be together, to talk like that was really, really helpful. And I think, you know, like I said, on the subsidiarity level, on the local level, it's so good just to be together. And I think so to be reminded of that is really crucial. Um, But I just fear it's like a top, like I hope the Senate process moves in a good way. Now, I will say this. Holy Spirit is steering the ship. So if you're nervous about this, that, or the other thing, I get it. But at the same time, I mean, our Lord is with us. He's not going to abandon us. Look for the good things that are there. And I hope, you know, in these conversations, too, it doesn't seem like we're like, ah, Pope Francis. It's not that. I mean, we're obedient. We did the process. Um, are there things that I am I, critical of in this papacy? Yes, there are. But am I obedient to Pope Francis, and do I pray for him every day? Yes, I do, and I will continue to. He is our Pope. Um, And in the same way, like, okay, I am pastor of Sacred Heart. God has entrusted me with this role, you know, through the office of Bishop Jugas giving it to me. But at the same time, I'm not above questioning. This guy right here, all the time, questions what I do. And that's important, and you need to have people who are questioning you and telling you, like, I don't know about that. Like, to bounce things off and have discussions but it is a hierarchical communion. At the end of the day, I have to make the decision. Like, I'm not going to say to Michael, like, when I want your opinion, I'll ask for it. Like, I don't think I've ever said that to you.
0: At least I hope not. Not um, yet. Not but yet. The time might come. I might push a little too hard.
1: But, you know, so it's like we, we're we able to do that and go back and forth. And I think, you know, those things are important. And I think in people in the parish, too. I mean, we're open and honest and listening to each other. We may not agree on everything perfectly, but I hope we've, like, you know we built up a good enough relationship that we're able to talk to one another. And I would say to the end, that that's there. And hopefully people feeling welcomed. And I would say, you know, the people we just brought into the church, I mean, I feel like they do feel welcomed. And people from all sorts of different backgrounds, you know, I will say, it's one of my favorite things about the communion rail. People are not lined up in order. It's like we're all shoulder to shoulder as we come to receive our Lord at the common table. You know, it's just... It's a beautiful thing, and we're all in this together. And so, to the end, that Pope Francis is striving to like make sure that that is there. God bless you. I appreciate it. Um, I heard it said once that you know Pope Francis. The thing about him is, it's almost like he hasn't quite realized that he's not just you know the pastor of one of the parishes down the street. You know, it's, and, and hey, if he was just pastor of the parish down the street, you know, like if he was one of the guys down at uh, St. James, like yeah, it'd be great. But it's like, it's it's just, it's a different role, you know, having to, you know, be on the universal level. And so I think just that care for how people on the ground are hearing things is probably an important thing to be delicate about. Okay, do you get used to people and that's their personality? Sure, like people in the parish. Some people sometimes will say some pretty harsh things to me, but I know them, you know? And it's like, okay, so it's, it'd be different, you know, if. Michael says something as opposed to this person. Like, you know, you got to know the people, and that's where subsidiarity is so good because of those sort of things that are actually able to happen. Did that answer the question? Yeah,
0: good. definitely. And as the lay member of this conversation, I would also reiterate, I love Pope Francis. I think, to, you know, to say again what I said before, I like his effort. Mm-hmm. I like what he's trying to accomplish. I think his execution is just terrible. And actually... I think that connects very well with what you said about being a parish priest. Yeah. Unless you have good supporting team, yeah. the pastor can have the best of intentions. And we've all seen this before. The pastor comes up with an idea, has the best of intentions, and then the execution just flops. Yeah. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. It hurts a little bit more when it's on a universal church level than on yeah. a pastoral level and on a parish level. It's, it you know, it multiplies the, the hurt and the confusion and the, the chaos that sometimes they can ensue from that. So, I love him. I wish he had a little bit better team around him to help him execute some of these things. And second thing, I love what you said about having conversations about the faith. Yeah. I will say, my best friends and the best conversations I've ever had are just honest conversations about the faith. If you want to be a friend of mine, I want to drink a beer and have a really good conversation about the church. It's not that hard.
1: And that's why we get along so well. Exactly. Because both of us like both of those things a lot.
0: And that's where all my best friendships come from. They come from a foundation of not just beer, but conversations about the church. And I've had some, arguably, in looking kind of outside, some awkward conversations. Mm -hmm. I mean, having honest conversations about NFP with another couple is not an easy thing to do. But honestly, some of those are my favorite conversations that we could be open and honest. NFP is too, just in case. NFP, natural family planning. So understanding uh, the cycle of a woman's body to understand when the woman is more or less fertile and more or less likely to conceive of a child, right? You have these fancy charts. Maria Perkins is fantastic of teaching it. If you'd like to learn more, shout out to Maria Perkins. Um, But as you could tell, it's a conversation about sex. And those are hard conversations to have in being open and transparent about that part of your married life. But it was just so great to be transparent and honest about these things in a just great conversation with people that I trust. And so I'm not saying that I have to have NFP conversations with everyone to have a good conversation, but it reiterates the fact that these are hard conversations, but in the proper context, they're so important and powerful conversations to have. And that, that hard conversation might be your distrust in the church. Mm-hmm. It might be your lack of devotion to Mary. You don't understand why we believe in purgatory. I don't know. Whatever that thing is for you, find a time to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Invite me out to have a beer. I would love to have that conversation with you. I'm sure Father would like to do the same. I would.
1: And, I would say too, you know, and the good news is, especially in our parish, we're not the only ones you can talk to. There are some wonderful people in this parish um, who know the teaching of the church and who love to be able to share it. Don't be afraid to talk to people, to reach out about it. Be like, yeah, I've never understood this. Or I'm having a really hard time because Cardinal so-and-so has been such a scandalous example. Like, Yeah, I get it. It's been a scandal for me too. Like, I wish that he had never been in that position. And why is there a trial now? And all this, you know, it's just, it's, It's crazy and it's hard, and we're dealing, you know, living on the shadow of it. But, you know, our Lord knew what he was doing from the beginning. He called Judas, too. He called Peter, too. You know, it's like he he got all these guys, and this is what he's given us, and it's here, and it continues to stand, and to be able to talk about our difficulties are. A, you find out, oh, I'm not the only one. B, we've been given, you know, a rock solid foundation of the doctrine of the church. I mean, this is. It's almost like a, uh, like a life raft in the midst of a crazy sea. It's like, hey, here you go. Here's something solid you can hold on to, and you don't feel like you're going to sink. Um, yeah, and, and it'll help you to like, climb back onto solid ground and to know that there is solid ground in the midst of a world that just always seems to be shifting. But that doesn't mean that it's like a bat to beat people with. It's a good thing to discuss, and how do you hand that on and explain why it's so good and why it's been so good for you, and to be able to be vulnerable and explain when it's been tough for you. Uh, as I say, you know, we've had some, you bring up NFB we've had some good conversations about celibacy guess what, not always easy to live but I love it, like I love it more and more all the time, and the more I embrace it the more I embrace our Lord, it's so good it's good to be able to talk about those things and wherever you're coming from whatever your difficulties are, as I said before we're dealing with life and death this is serious stuff and our Lord has answers and he's ready
0: to help you to know Him. and we get to be part of handing them on Great conversation, Paul. I think so, too. I I think think that was was nice. I hope you all enjoyed that at home, enjoyed listening into our conversation. And as we say, even with our Catechism series, we would be talking about these things anyways. We We just do it with the camera in front of us. And all of you on the back end of the stream watching and listening to the recordings after the fact. So, as always, we'll take this recording. It's on Facebook. It's on YouTube right now. We'll be putting it on our podcast. Share it with people. I mean, the Synod is a worldwide thing, and this is something that we're all trying to figure out. We're all doing together. We're all walking through this synodal journey together, and we all have a lot of varying opinions on it, and now you have two more opinions to throw into that pot.
1: Yeah, I think it's really good.
0: So So, let's go ahead and close with a prayer, and we'll end it for the day. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
1: All glory be to the the Father, Father, and to to the the Son, and to to the Holy Spirit, Spirit. as it It was was in
0: the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, be, world without without end. end. Amen. Amen. Most
1: sacred heart of Jesus.
0: Have mercy on us. Mary,
1: Mother of the Church. Pray for us. St. Joseph, Protector of the Church. Pray for us. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God.